Greetings from Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh. The topic is Bitochon, which is a, an incredible, incredible topic to speak about. To do justice, you need about at least 12 to 14 hours. We're going to try to do it in much less than that, Mitzvah Shem. And obviously, food for thought. Whatever we're going to speak about is food for thought. I hope I'll mention the sources. If anybody wants to look into things further, obviously they can. The word bitochon is used very often together with emuna, emuna and bitochon. And there are possibly thousands of pages written in Sforim speaking about these two and discussing what each one means and how each one is a little bit different from the other one. On the simplest level, the word emuna means faith. The word bitochon means trust. A person would say there's a difference when somebody says, I believe you, and versus a person says, I trust you. The term trust is taking it to another level, another level of believing in someone, that I trust the person, I trust the person with my car, I trust the person with my house, I trust the person with my children. <clears throat> Different levels, this term, bitochen. And there's a, a, there's a pasuk, Vahaboteach Bashem Chesed Yesovevenu. Hashem says, a person who trusts me, who really trusts me, that person will be surrounded with chesed, with kindness. We know that the Gemara says that a person who says Ashrei <coughs> every single day, there's two versions in the Gemara, whether it means even once a day or three times a day, we say it twice in Shachris and once in Mincha. A person who says Ashrei <coughs> daily is, is, is a Ben Olam Haba. So the Gemara asks, what's so special about Ashrei? The Gemara says, could it be because the fact that it has a line for every letter of the Aleph Beis, that it goes through the entire Aleph Beis, praising Hashem? The Gemara says, so what? There's another chapter of Tehillim which has the Aleph Beis eight times. Capital Kufyutes, chapter 119, has the Alpes eight times. Could it be because, because it has the sentence Poseach esyodecha umasbiya lechol chayrotzon, which is one of the most powerful sentences, making it clear to us that it's Hashem that provides for us. So what is another capital of Tehillim where it says, no sein lechem lechol basar kiliolam chazdo. So the Gemara says it's the combination. It's the fact that this chapter of Tehillim has both in it. It has a letter for every, it has a pasuk for every letter of the Aleph Beis, just about. The Nun is missing, but the Gemara says that's filled in in the next sentence, Somech Hashem Lechol Anoflim, and it also has in it, Poseach Esyodecho Maspia Lechol Chayrotzon. So, one of the Sfarim, Rabbi Nachman's student, Rabbi Nassanzal, writes, that's it? That guarantees a person olam haba? If you say the whole <coughs> Aleph Beis, and poseach esyodecho maspil l'chol chayrotzon? And he explains, he explains that we know Hashem created the world with speech. Bidvar Hashem shamayim nasu, uberuah piv kol 
everything was created with Hashem's speech, with Hashem's words. We have in the beginning of Parshas Bereshis, Vayomer lekim yehi oyer, Vayomer lekim tach ten statements of creation is called, Asorom Amorois. Everything was created with speech, and Hashem continues to operate the world with speech, with his dibur. When a person does a mitzvah, they're strengthening Hashem's speech. They're adding new life to the world. When a person does an Avera, a person goes against the will of Hashem, they're, they're opposing those letters. And in some cases, they could be rearranging those same letters, the same exact letters that could mean a bracha, the same letters could be rearranged to mean the opposite. In Hebrew, we have the word oneg, which means pleasure, and we have the word nega, which means a disease, an affliction. <clears throat> we have the word tsohar, which means light. Hashem told Noyach to make sure that he has a means of providing light for the teva, for the ark. And <clears throat> we have the word tsara, the same exact letters. So when we're doing good things, the letters that Hashem used to create the world and the letters that Hashem is using to operate the world are functioning in a manner of bracha, positive. Chas <clears throat> we do something wrong, we could be damaging those letters and rearranging those same letters to bring suffering chas upon us. So now, when we have a tefillah, like this chapter of Tehillim Ashrei, where we're using every single letter of the olive base to praise Hashem, that's wow, that's very special. And that alone, in other words, the fact that a person is using every single letter of the Aleph base, which Hashem used to create the world with, and using it to praise Hashem, that alone puts a person in Hashem's good graces. So a person would say, pretty easy, sounds, sounds too easy. Where's the problem? Where's the difficulty? And the answer is that one of the major difficulties is called parnosa. Parnasa, earning a livelihood. From the time that Adam and Chava ate from the Eitz Hadas, we're told that Hashem said, that earning a livelihood is going to come with difficulty. The word itzavon could even mean depression, sadness, atzvus. With struggle and toil, you'll earn a livelihood. And Rav Sal explains that this is one of the major items that makes it difficult for many people to say these words, to daven, or to learn Torah. Learning Torah involves speaking, using the words of the Aleph Beis in a constructive way. The Gemara makes a statement about the Torah, ki chayim heim The Torah gives life to those who give it forth, to those who give forth the words of Torah. And the Gemara says, It's those who speak words of Torah. When a person is speaking words of Torah, the Torah provides life. And the same thing is regarding tefillah. We say in Tehillim, Tefillah lokel chayoi. Davening to Hashem, that's my life. That gives me life. So again, these things sound relatively easy. But there's something very, very powerful that the Yetzirah uses to make it difficult. And that's called parnasa. There are many people that because of parnasa, they say they can't go to shul. 
I can't go to shul to daven because I have to be at my job at 8 o'clock in the morning and I don't want to come there 8 o'clock. I want to be there 7 o'clock in the morning because the, the, the early bird catches the fish. I want to make sure to put in the extra time and the extra effort to earn a livelihood. And this is one of the areas where people put a tremendous amount of hishtadlus. There are certain professions, a person wants to be a doctor, there's four years, there's 12 years of elementary school and high school, and then there's four years of university, and then there's medical school, and then there's internship, or a lawyer. There's all of these years, years of a person's life that a person is putting into preparing for it, and then a person finally lands the job, and there are certain professions, a lawyer, where people know, late out, it's assumed late hours, and, and p- putting in a tremendous amount of time, and making it much more difficult for a person to do this relatively easy thing, to daven, to learn Torah, which is relatively easy. This is why the Gemara says that it's a combination of these two things. It's using every letter of the Aleph base, number one, to praise Hashem. It's using the entire Aleph base in a positive way. And it's, it's the fact that it has this message in it, that all eyes look to Hashem. All eyes are directed to Hashem. And you, Hashem, provide for us what we need at the right time in its proper time. And then we say, Hashem, open your hands, and provide us with everything we want, everything we want, everything we need. If a person has both of these, if a person knows how the world was created, and they know what Hashem's expectations are from us, speaking, it's speaking words of Torah, speaking words of tefillah, and a person knows that Parnassah is from Hashem, then that person will not say, I don't have any time to learn Torah, I don't have any time to daven because I have to work, because I have to earn a living. The person knows that the earning a living, the, the living is coming from Hashem. This Pasuk, Ene chol saberu, all eyes are looking to Hashem. Vi'ato no and Hashem provides for us be'ito at the right time. And the question is, what exactly? What's the point? It, it would seem the pasuk would have been just would have been complete by saying vi'ato no You Hashem provide. You provide whatever we need. Why is that word be'ito added? And the Mepharshim explained that it's to tell us a very important point. Hashem has everything. Hashem has good health. Hashem has money. Hashem has shiduchim. Hashem has everything that we need. And, and the faucet is opened by Hashem. However, the question is timing. Will I get it today? Will I have to wait a week? Will I have to wait a month? Will I have to wait 10 years? And there are certain things that are time relevant, where time is of the essence. We know that there are certain things that have time limitations, where up until a certain time a person can do it. We know that Rabbi Nachman once commented that a person goes out and buys a beautiful esrog. It has no blemishes on it at all. It's conforming to the highest standards of halacha, and they use it for Hanukkah. 
we know that it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. No matter what you want to say, a, an esroik is valid during those eight days of Sukkot, or seven days of Sukkot, actually. On Sheminat Sarah, we don't use it. Afterwards, it could be as beautiful and it's, it's, time, it's time relevant. The same thing is with Kriya Shema, certain things that we're told, that there's a time for it. Shabbos. Person cannot say, I'm not, I'm not really in a position now to, to, to shut off my phone, this, that. I'll do it in a couple of hours. Shabbos has a time when it begins and when it ends. So here also, when we're looking to Hashem, we're expecting things from Hashem, it's extremely important sometimes, Hashem, I need it, and I need it now, or I need it soon. Now this is a very delicate point where the Torah warns that a person should be careful not to be dochek es hasho, not to insist sometimes that I want it and I want it now. Because sometimes Hashem <coughs> understands that now is not the right time and now is not the best time. And if I give it to you now prematurely, when you're not ready for it, it could do harm for you. We know certain times take a, an 11-year-old kid and give him a beautiful car we know that that could get that kid killed because of the fact that they're not ready, they're not prepared at that age to be able to know how to use this correctly. So on one hand, we need to realize that Hashem knows when is the right time. However, however, the Torah tells us there's a factor that there's something that we can do to ensure that we'll get it at the right time. And that's Ene Chol Elecho Yisaberu that if we're looking to Hashem, and if we're looking only to Hashem, looking only to Hashem for our Yeshua, then the Torah promises, Hashem will give you what you need at the right time. Whereas if a person thinks that there's all kinds of other, I have all kinds of options, there are different ways that I can achieve success. One of them, of course, is my tefillah. One of them, of course, is Hashem. A person has that attitude, then they're not insured this be'ito, that Hashem will give it to them at the right time. One of my rebbe's once told a, a joke about women that had gone to shul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. We know there are many people who don't go to shul on regular Shabbos, and some people don't even go on Yantiv, but Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, even women make a, a, an important effort to come to shul, and they dress for the occasion, they dress in white for Rosh Hashanah, for Yom Kippur, etc. And, and Jewish women have a heart, and many women are crying during the tefillah on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur, it's judgment day, the Gemara says it's when Hashem is gonna define the success of the whole upcoming year, the whole parnasa and everything else for the year is defined on Rosh Hashanah. So women, many women, naturally are crying. There was one woman that was sitting in the shul. All the women around her are all crying. And, and she's sitting there very calm and looking very nonchalant. So one of the women asked her afterwards, aren't you concerned that the Torah tells us this is the day that's going to determine the whole success of the entire year? You don't seem to be concerned about it. She said, it's very simple. If Hashem will give me a good year, then fine. If not, I have my sister in Cleveland. I'll go to my sister and then she'll take care of me. A person who has that kind of attitude, that's not real, that's not bitachon. That's not saying, Hashem, I'm putting my trust 
and faith in you, in you specifically. Now we know that there's a sentence in the tefillah, in Tachnun, where we actually say, Va'anachnu loineida mana'aser, Hashem, we don't know what to do. Va'anachnu loineida mana'aser, ki olecho eneinu. And our eyes are to you. Our eyes are turned to you. Now one moment, one moment. We have a Torah. We have a Torah that tells a person what to do from the minute you get up in the morning till when you go to sleep every single day, what to do during the weekdays, what to do on Shabbos, what to do on Yontif. What is there not to know? What do we mean when we say these words, We don't know what to do and therefore we're turning to you. I don't know anything at all. The answer is that even after, even after the Torah defines many things, the Torah says when you wake up in the morning to say modani, to wash your hands, the Torah gives a lot of instruction and the Zohar HaKadosh refers to the 613 mitzvahs as 613 etzos, advice. The Torah is full of advice. There's a Pasuk in Mishle, Li Eitza Visushia. The Torah says, in me is found Eitza, advice, guidance. After a person learns Torah and learns a lot of Torah, there's still a lot of things they don't know. They don't know. Because in many cases, the Torah gives options. The Torah gives choices. The Gemara says, for example, there were two rabbis, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and Rabbi Ishmael. And these two rabbis had a debate about one of the most important decisions in life. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said that a person, a Jew, should be involved in Torah and tefillah, period. What about parnasa? What about what to eat? Others will provide. Others will provide. Your mission is to learn and daven full-time. Rabbi Shmuel said, Tov Torah im Derecheretz, that it's good to combine Torah with earning a livelihood, with work, because the combination of both is a good, healthy combination. The Gemara says there were many that tried to do like Rabbi Shimon, and they failed. And there were many that tried to do like Rabbi Shmuel, and they were successful. So the Mepharshim ask, what does this mean? Does this mean that Rabbi Shimon didn't really understand human beings? He didn't understand people? And therefore he gave an advice that when people would do it, they would fail? And Rabbi Shmuel had a better understanding? And the Mepharshim explained, no, not at all, not at all. Rabbi Shimon was not speaking to the many. Rabbi Shimon was speaking to one in a thousand. One in a thousand people, let's say, who's qualified, who's capable of learning full-time, of studying full-time, and becoming a Rav, becoming a Dayan, becoming, becoming being able to use their Torah knowledge to be a leader in Klal Yisrael. For that person, for that person, their mission is to devote themselves completely to Torah, to Avodah Hashem. What about Parnasa? Hashem can provide. Hashem can take care of that person. For the majority of people who are not on that madrega, number one, many people who don't have the zitzflesh, many people cannot sit for six hours, eight hours learning Torah. 
learning Torah and Davening. Most people are not on that kind of madrega. For them, to the many, Rabbi Shmuel was addressing the many, the majority, that for them it's important to have a combination, a combination of, of working and learning, a, a healthy combination. And, and the work should not be instead of, should not be in place of Torah and Tefillah, never to forget, never to forget that it's Hashem who provides. It's Hashem who provides. One of the tzaddikim once said that people go fishing in the sea, in lakes, and rivers, and people catch small fish, and people catch big fish, large fish. And if you ever caught one of these large fish and open it up, we know how do fish live? They live off other fish, generally. And, and if you open up a large fish and look inside and you see the fish that they swallowed, you'll see that the fish are facing towards the direction of the mouth of the fish. Now, we know if you ever watch fish, when they're going after big fish, going after little fish, they don't go for a head-on collision. They go generally, they go for the, for the tail, they go for the back of the fish to be able to swallow the fish. So why is it that it lines up, it happens to line up in such a way, you'll look inside, you'll see that the fish are facing? And the answer was that Hashem shows the fish that those fish that you're going after the cat to catch, those fish you don't get. The ones that sustain you, the ones that you eat that keep you alive, are ones that came to you not through your effort necessarily, not by chasing them, but Hashem sent them into your mouth. Just like we know there's a, a famous Gemara, the Gemara says that when it comes to Shiduchim, Zivugim, and when it comes to Parnasa, those two things, Kosha Zivugo Shalodam Kekriyas Yamsuf. The Gemara compares it to Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the Red Sea. Both of these things. Now this word kosha, it's difficult. Is it conceivable that there's something difficult for Hashem? Is it more difficult for Hashem to have the sea operate in its normal manner or to have the sea split into one lane, into two lanes, or into 12 lanes, like the Gemara tells us, each shaver traveled through its own lane in the sea. Is it more difficult? The answer is, it's not more difficult. It's not more difficult to Hashem. So where's the difficulty? The answer is that the Gemara tells us that when the Jews left Mitzrayim and they thought, it was, they thought the battle was over, they won, Mitzrayim is finished, and suddenly they see Paro coming after them with 600 war chariots. And, and Paro is coming after them, and they're standing in front of the sea, and they have the desert on both sides with all kinds of snakes and scorpions. What do you do? What do you do? So there were some people who said, we're not going to die like a bunch of losers. We're going to die at least fighting. Let's turn around. Let's fight with whatever we have. At least we'll know we did what we could to save ourselves. There were others that said, no, let's make a run for it. Who not? Maybe we'll be able to escape. No one, no one came up with the suggestion, let's jump in the river. Let's jump into the Red Sea. No one came up with that idea. The Yeshua came from a place that nobody could have necessarily thought on their own. 
the, the, to go into the Red Sea, and the Red Sea is going to split. And the, the, this is what the Gemara is telling us regarding Parnasa and regarding Zivugim, Shiduchim, that these two items are cases where people very often are thinking and rethinking and thinking and trying to... And they don't realize that very often, sometimes it's more obvious and sometimes it's less obvious that all the thinking and planning that we did, the Yeshua comes from a place that we didn't expect at all. We didn't expect and we couldn't expect sometimes. We couldn't possibly know. And, and that's where the Yeshua came from. I don't usually talk that much personal stories. Hashem helped me that I was to move to make Aliyah Teretz Yisrael 36 years ago. And we came with four little kids, Baruch Hashem, and we moved to Harnof at the time in Yerushalayim. And Baruch Hashem, there were obstacles, there were difficulties, <clears throat> but Baruch Hashem settled in, put the kids in school, and the kids start growing. And at one point, my oldest daughter, someone suggested a shidduch for her, a boy whose parents are from France. And I remember, why in the world would you suggest something like that? We're Americans, and we moved here to Israel. There's no one in there's no Americans and no Israelis. In, and sure enough, Hashem decided that she married a young man from France. She's a grandmother today, Baruch Hashem, etc., etc. That was a little bit of a chiddush. Then our son, our second child, <coughs> was a little bit of a character. He was he was. Uh, and he was um, volunteering on ambulances when he was 14 years old, 15 years old, coming home 2 o'clock in the morning from yeshiva and all kinds of things, where my wife was desperate. The Gemara says, Ben Shmon Esrei Lechupa, but Hashem, could you make an exception in his case? Could he do it by 16 or 50 so that all of us will have less trouble? And he turned 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and it wasn't happening. And my wife was desperate. <clears throat> and at one point, he approaches us. And, and out of all of our children, we had two other children that were born in Eretz Yisrael. So we had six kids. The most Zionist of all the kids was him. Loved Eretz Yisrael. Everything is Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael. And he comes to us and he says he's thinking of going back to America. Why? because he's not finding a shidduch over here, so he's thinking of going to America. I looked at him like he was nuts. What? You've been, you, you tried everything in Eretz Yisrael? I approached one of my rebbies and I told him, and he says to me, are you a Navi? Do you know where his shidduch is? You don't know. He has a job, he's, he, has a job in a, he has a job waiting for him in a minute. If he feels he wants to go, let him go. He was working, he was volunteering at the time, he was working for Chai Lifeline here in Eretz Yisrael, Chayenu, and he was a serious worker, and they told him, wherever you go, you have a job, wherever you go. Sure enough, he gets on a plane, he goes to America, and a short while later, he meets the girl next door, the girl that lives a block or two away from us in Harnof, in Harnof. <laughs> They're both in New York. Her sisters are in America, so she's by her sisters, and he's in America. And, and she was at his older sister's wedding as one of the close friends of, of the sister. And it's a slam dunk, as they say in Yiddish. You know, immediately, a couple of, it was the most obvious, obvious thing in the world. 
person would say, imagine how, how, how Hashem had to work this out. Now, the reason why he didn't get married when he was 16 or 18 was because she's six years younger than him. So she couldn't get married at 12 or 10 and a half, so he, he, had, to, he had to wait, he had to wait. But again, seeing, seeing how this worked out, and again, Baruch Hashem, he's still working for Chayla. He became director of Camp Simcha, Baruch Hashem. And children, and lives in month, a lot of positive things. But saying, try to figure out what Hashem, try to know what Hashem has in mind. This is why we say, Va'anachnu lo neida. We don't know. Va'anachnu lo neida manase. Ki olecho enenu, and therefore our eyes are turned to you. Hashem, I have complete faith and complete trust in you. And here, one of the tzaddikim said that every morning when he gets up in the morning, the first, one of the first things he does is says, Hashem, I have a day in front of me. There's hundreds or thousands of decisions that we make every minute of the day. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I say this or should I say that? Should I go here, go there? Every one of us has all kinds of decisions, choices that we're making every day. And sometimes we don't realize a choice is a life and death decision. person chooses to walk down this block. They usually walk down this block and one day they walk down a different block and either there was a catastrophe that happened and they weren't there to be part of it or sometimes they had to meet someone, they had to see someone, and the person says, I can't believe it, I never go down this block, or I ne- and, I, and I happen to see this person. And that's how they got a job, or that, all, all kinds of important things. So he said that every day, when he's about to start the day, he says, Hashem, I see a whole day in front of me, all kinds of choices and decisions to make, where I can't possibly know in advance sometimes what to do. So therefore, Hashem, I'm putting myself in your hands. I'm giving myself over into your hands completely. I'm asking you to guide me and direct me every step of the way. Guide me what to think, what not to think, what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go. Now, a person would say, but one second, what about Bechira? Isn't there Bechira? A person has the free choice. Hashem gives us the choice. Yes, Hashem does give us the choice, and one of the choices that He gives us is whether to ask for help or not ask for help. There's a Gemara that says, "Bechol yom vayom yitzro sheladom that every single day, the Yitzro Hara, our opponent, our opposition, tries to overpower us. And every single day, the Yitzhahara has new tricks, brand new tricks to use against us, to get us to make mistakes, to do the wrong thing. And if Hashem is not helping a person, the person can't possibly win, cannot possibly win. So the Torah is making it perfectly clear, perfectly clear, that it's true we have Bechira, that we, we have choices to make all the time, and one of the smart choices to make is to reach out for help. To remember, I didn't, we look around, our, so we look around the world, we look at a tree and leaves on a tree, 
with all the technology and all science and all the wisdom and knowledge that exists in the world, no one has created a leaf, not a tree. No scientist has created a leaf on a tree, one leaf on a tree that can grow. No one has duplicated that yet. All the knowledge in the world and, and all the other examples of everything around us that make it perfectly clear that there is a Hashem. And only a Hashem could possibly have created all of this, could possibly make a situation where you put a seed into the ground, the seed falls apart, it, crumb, it disintegrates, and from that comes a tree. Or again, how a child is born, how a baby is born. Again, a seed, a tiny seed, that results in a human being where just one part of the eye, the human eye, there are thousands of pages written explaining the complexities of the human eye. Talk about the human body. Could, could this have come about by any means other than a Hashem, someone as great as Hashem? And if Hashem is so great, but, but I don't see, but there's a, there's a problem. There's a problem in the world that we don't see can't see Hashem. So how in the world am I expected to know? The answer is, I don't necessarily know. I believe. I believe. The word olam, the Hebrew word olam, which means world, also means ha'aloma. Ha'aloma means hidden. The most important character in this world, Hashem, is the most hidden. We don't see we don't see, we can't see Hashem in an obvious way. There are times we can see Hashem through His actions. We see certain things happen where we say, wow, that's Hashgacha Prati. That, no one could have figured out, no one could have orchestrated a situation like this that things should happen just, just so that I should meet this person or that I should see this thing, whatever it is. So through the Hashgacha Prati, sometimes we get a, a, our emuna becomes stronger. We see Hashem more clearly. The Torah says, Vayar Yisrael The Jews saw the miracles. They saw the miracles. And they believed in Hashem and Moshe Rabbeinu. One minute, I don't understand. Seeing, seeing is but, if you see something, then there's no faith. Do I need faith? Do I have to believe that this is a table in front of me? I don't believe this is a table. I see it's a table. The term faith applies in what you don't see, what you can't see, or what you can't understand, you can't rationalize. So why does it say here that they saw the miracles and they believed in Hashem and they believed in Moshe? The answer is that even after a person sees, even after a person witnesses miracles, it's not enough. It's not enough. Because we're living in a world where there's so many distractions. There are so many things that challenge our faith, that challenge our connection to Hashem, that with everything we see, with everything we learn, we still need emuna. We still have to believe and we still have to trust. There has to be a, a, an element of faith and trust in things that I don't see and I don't understand. I don't understand how this could possibly be. Now we know, we just read recently that when the Jews were in the Midbar, the Jews were in a desert. They left Egypt, they took gold 
all the gold, all the wealth of Egypt out of them, out, out, out of Egypt. But there was no, no department stores, no makolets, no super sals in the de desert. What were they going to do with all of that gold and silver? It, eventually, they used it both ways. They used it to make an egel hazahav, a golden calf, and they used it to build a mishkan. Like anything that could go either way, it could be used for good or for bad. But what about food? What about sustenance, basic food, bread and water? It says Hashem made a miracle. Hashem gave them, they didn't have lechem, they didn't make a bracha like we do, hamotzi lechem in oretz. The bracha was hamotzi lechem min hashamayim. That was the bracha they made on, on the man, that they were given heavenly, divine food. And the Torah tells us that there were three directions that the food took. Those people whose emuna and bitachon in Hashem was complete, for them, the mon was delivered right at the entrance to their tent. Every day, this package of food appeared right at the entrance to their tent. Those people who didn't believe at all, the Rishoim, them, every single day, they had to go searching, searching for where their package of mon would appear. The people that were in the middle, Benonim, for them, it appeared in the same place, but it wasn't at their doorstep. It wasn't at the entrance of the tent. They had to travel. They had to go to, to get it. Now, this appears in the Chumash. This, this story appears in the Chumash. We know the Chumash is not a storybook or a history book. If this appears in the Torah, it has to have an application to us today. Is there such a thing today? Is there man? Does a person, is there such a possibility as receiving lechem and hashamayim, receiving one's parnasa, one's shir, direct from Hashem, where it's clear that it's from Hashem? If you look in the Chumash, it says that when they saw this coming down, they said, Monhu, Monhu, what it? What is it? Kilo yodu mahu, because they, they didn't know what it was. They had never seen anything like this before. One of the rabbis, Rebbe Freimel, writes in his Sefer Onik Shabbos, the words mon hu, mem nun hevav aleph, spell the word emuna, emuna. That if a person has solid emuna and bitachon in Hashem, if a person really believes that parnasa is only from Hashem, that shiruch is only from Hashem, that health is only from Hashem, and even when I go to a doctor, and even when I go out to work, I know that this is to fulfill a curse. When Adam and Chava ate from the eight sadas, Hashem said that, there's not, there's, that mon is not going to be the norm. It's going to be an exception. The norm is going to be a person's going to have to struggle to earn a livelihood this then. But, but, if a person works on their emuna and bitochen, if a person knows that I'm going to work to fulfill that curse, but where does my parnasa come from? It doesn't come from, from American Express. It doesn't come from, it comes only from Hashem. And if a business closes down, if a business closes down, Hashem can still provide. Hashem has, if something doesn't work out over here, it, can, it could be Hashem has a reason why it should be somewhere else. There's a, a story. One of my rabbis who grew up in Russia under the Soviet Union, 
the Iron Curtain. They didn't allow people to emigrate, to leave, leave Russia at the time. And there was a person who heard that the Russians hate a sheikhet. A sheikhet, because they know a sheikhet is providing kosher meat for people, so them especially, <coughs> they, they want to get rid of. So this person learned shechita and was shechti meat and everything, and sure enough applied for a visa to leave and, and eventually was given permission to leave. Problem though, you, you, you need plane tickets, airplane tickets, didn't have any money for it. So someone told him that there's a Jew in Moscow, a wealthy Jew, and this person has a good heart, he might help you. Go to him, tell him the whole situation, show him that you got permission to leave, maybe he'll help you. The person went, showed him all the proof, person told him, how much do you need? $3,000 for you and your family? Here it is. Gave him the full amount. A while later, there was another person who also was a sheikhet, and he, and he needed to leave, and, and he, he didn't have the money, and somebody told him, maybe if you go to this person, I remember a while ago, he helped this other person go, maybe he'll help you also. He goes there, he makes the trip, he travels, he goes, he tells the person the whole thing, walks out, nothing, wasn't given anything. So somebody asked him, did you go? Did you go to him? Yes. Did he give you anything? No. Why not? He gave the other person. He said, he's not my delivery man. He's not my postmaster. Like the people who deliver the mail, there's a person who delivers the mail in this neighborhood, there's another person who delivers the mail in that neighborhood. This person understood, for that person, he was the shliach. For me, Hashem obviously has a different shliach in mind. This level of, of emuna bitochon, is something that a person who lives with it <coughs> doesn't have any worries, doesn't worry. This term worry, that which, which is something that there are so many books written on this today about phobias, fears, anxiety, depression, all the things that people are struggling with, if a person has serious emuna and bitachon, those things don't apply to them. Because no matter what obstacles they see in front of them, no matter what, they know that number one, whatever Hashem is doing is for the good. If I feel I need something and I don't have it right now, obviously there's a reason why Hashem understands that I shouldn't have it right now. And the fact that I don't have it now doesn't mean I won't have it five minutes from now or five days from now. And again, be'ito, I trust, I'm looking to Hashem, I know that Hashem knows the right time. Now, does this mean that I don't have to do anything? There's a pasuk, Anochi Hashem alokecha, Hama'alchem, we'll close with this point, we'll leave time for questions. There's a pasuk, Anochi Hashem alokecha, Hama'alchem Eretz Mitzrayim, I am the Hashem who took you out of Mitzrayim, Harchev Picha Va'amalehu, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Ma'kesher, what's the connection between the two? The answer is we know that Hashem, the way Hashem operates usually is Hashem says, you make a move, I'll make a move. You show some initiative, I'll help you. I will bless your actions. You'll do, you'll make an effort, you'll take some steps, I'll put a bracha into your efforts. When the Jews were in Mitzrayim, the Torah tells us that Hashem saw that if he's going to wait for us to make a move, 
there's not going to be any Klal Yisrael left. The Jews had hit such a low, such a rock bottom, minus 49, 49 levels of Tumor, that if Hashem would have waited another moment, it would have been Chashon, point of no return just about. So we're told that when it came to Mitzrayim, it's like a person who's drowning. When a person's drowning, you don't say, listen, I want to see, you, I want to see some initiative from you. You jump in and you grab, you try to save the person. And even then, it's, it's dangerous. If a person doesn't know how to rescue, there are many cases of a person who jumped in to try to save someone and both of them drown because it's not so simple. When a person is drowning, they're desperate, they're pulling. And unless a person learned life-saving, learned exactly how to protect themselves, they shouldn't get pulled down, they could both, both drown. So Hashem saw the Jews were in such a situation, Hashem broke the rules, Hashem jumped in and saved us even though we didn't really deserve it. We hadn't really shown enough initiative to deserve to be rescued. But Hashem says that was a one-time thing. Then I had to do it, I did it. From that point on, open your mouth wide, Harchev means open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. The more tefillah, the more a person reaches out to Hashem and seeks Hashem's help, <clears throat> the more that person avails themselves to be able to receive the help from Hashem. There's a pasuk in Tehillim, Odia emunascha befi. I, I display my emuno with my mouth, with my mouth. One of my rabbis once said that there are Jews who don't, don't observe mitzvahs, they don't keep Shabbos, they're kosher, nothing. They say, I believe, I have Hashem in my heart. I'm, I'm, I believe in Hashem much more than you do. And he said there's a cardiac room in Gan Eden for those Jews. They take the heart, they put it there, and the rest of it, I don't want to finish the sentence. So in terms of authentic Yiddishkeit, authentic Yiddishkeit, just like Hashem created the world with speech, bidvar Hashem shamayim naspu, and just like Hashem operates the world with speech and human beings, there are four levels of creation. There's inanimate objects, domain. There's tzomeach, there's plant life. There's chai, the animal kingdom. And there's human beings who are called medaber, speech. The most important part of a person in many respects is the tongue. Person would say, what are you talking about? The heart is the most important, or the brain is the most important. It's true, it's true, but we don't know what's in a person's mind. We don't know what's in a person's heart unless they speak. Hachaim, there's a pasuk, hachaim v'hamoves biyad haloshon. Life and death are in the tongue. And the, the Medrash tells a story about how the tongue proved to the rest of the body, I can get you all in trouble and I can save all of you. So here again, the emuna and bitachon, the person shows it, by turning their eyes to Hashem and opening their mouth to Hashem. Hashem should help. We're living in Eretz, we're here in Eretz Yisrael now. There's a Pasuk, Shechon Eretz or Emuna. Live in the land and be nourished, be nourished with Emuna. A person in Eretz Yisrael, with their eyes open, knows that this, in all rational thought, this land can't possibly exist. You look at a map, most of the regular standard maps of the Middle East don't have Israel on it. Why? Because it's, it's not a country, it's like a neighborhood. Compared to the other countries around us, 
Israel is like Borough Park. It's like a, a little neighborhood compared to Saudi Arabia, Syria, all of these other countries that are so much larger. And, and, and being given billions and trillions of dollars by the whole world to do what? What, what are they using? Those, the people don't have what to eat. They're building tunnels and rockets. And this people sing today more and more where all their money went. All the, the United Nations, all these other countries that are supporting the poor Arabs, all the poor people, they're seeing where all that money went. How in the world can we possibly exist? How can we exist? How can we build? You, you travel around Eretz Yisrael, everywhere there's construction, buildings being, more building, more building, children being born every day, bar mitzvahs. How is this happening? The answer is emuna and bitochen. These are among the most important foundations to strengthen our amun and bitochoin, and Hashem should fulfill that guarantee. We should all benefit from Hashem's chesed. Hashem should give us all the Yeshuas that we need, especially the final Gula Shlema. Amen.